Stuff Podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright, and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's story is called The World's Best Liar. It's by Stuff investigative reporter Blair Ensor, who joins me now. Hi, Blair. G'day, Mike. I think this might be a first on the long read. We haven't done a, a story that covers a murder trial, a court case, more or less live. This is, we're talking on a Friday. The verdict in this case landed yesterday. It's a murder trial. Um, so tell us about the murder. What happened here? Set this up. So uh, in April 2020, a man called Dale Watney, uh, he, he disappeared from uh, Ototo, where he worked as a dairy farm worker. Uh, and it was definitely a case that captured the imagination, I guess, of Southland for a number of weeks. So one of the interesting aspects of this case was it wasn't always a murder. This this guy was just a missing person to start with, yeah? Yeah, so um, Dale was last seen at his partner's house, um, Sandy Graham. They'd been in a kind of pretty tumultuous relationship for a number of months, and, yeah, on on the day that Dale went missing... He was uh, last seen at Sandy's home and was talking about heading out to get some beers when he disappeared. So the case sort of blew wide open when they found Dale Watney. Tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, prior to finding Dale, they had honed in on Sandy, his girlfriend, because she was obviously the last person to see him alive, and they did a search warrant at her house, and the place lit up like a Christmas tree um, when they did some luminoling. So they were pretty set on her from pretty early on in the case. Um, but... Yeah, finding Dale's body uh, in the Longwood Forest, which is near Ototo, was a big turning point in the investigation. So I guess about a month after Dale disappeared, uh, police launched a search in Longwood Forest. So the search party noted this area where there were some bricks and some tyres and like the, the ground appeared to have been dug up underneath. And so um, it turned out that this guy called George Hyde, who Sandy Graham had known as a friend for a number of years, had been doing some renovations at his house, and those renovations involved a lot of bricks. And the, the detectives were like, whoa, like there's some big big red flags here. And so they went back up, and after carefully removing all the bricks and stuff, they started digging, and it was only a few minutes, and they suddenly found this body, and I guess that was pretty massive for them. And so the probably half of this story focuses on the subsequent trial of Sandy Graham and George Hyde. And that was not a straightforward thing. This was not an open and shut case once they found Dale Watney's body. No, because it was clear that something had happened inside Sandy Graham's home, but there was no other witnesses to what had happened inside Sandy Graham's home. Like Sandy had lied repeatedly, had given statements to police saying, I have no idea what happened to Dale. But when it came to trial, she's like, oh, I've got to tell the truth to give, you know, to be accountable for my actions. And so she gave a version of events that night. And as you will hear, she essentially tried to say that she was involved in Dale's death, but it wasn't murder. All right, let's get into it. Here is Blair with a bit of strong language, reading his story, The World's Best Liar. On the morning of April 17, 2020, Sandy Graham and her best friend George Hyde loaded a couple of shovels into a four-wheel drive, packed Graham's kids, aged six and seven, into the back seat, and headed for a rugged forest in western Southland. They were looking for a place to bury a body. Their journey deep into Longwood Forest, a 23,000 hectare chunk of conservation land, took them along the back streets of the small town of Ototo, 
past paddocks of grazing sheep and through a maze of dirt and gravel roads. On the fringe of a clearing, at the end of an overgrown, dead-end logging track, Graham and Hyde chose the spot for a grave they hoped no one would find. The pair took turns digging a hole in the clay soil while the children played nearby. When they were finished, it was nearly a metre deep and more than a metre wide. Later that day, Hyde returned to the forest with the body of Dale Watane, Graham's boyfriend, a father to a then five-year-old boy. He was wrapped in a tarpaulin and had a bullet lodged in his upper spine. Watane, the son of a truck driver, grew up in the Waikato town of Huntley. He moved to Ototo, 40 kilometres northwest of Invercargill, in 2001, to work on a dairy farm. Over the next 20 years, Watane worked a range of jobs at the farm, most recently driving trucks and tractors. He was regarded as reliable and a good stock handler. Watane met Sandy Graham in September 2019, after exchanging messages on social media. Graham was on home detention at the time, following her fourth drink-driving conviction. This time, her children had been in the car. She and Watani both had children from previous partners, and initially they were smitten. Watani met Graham's family and seemed to get on well with them. They even talked about getting married. But the relationship was volatile. Graham once threw a beer bottle at Watani's head after she crashed his car. Twice in 2020, Watani was thrown drunk from Graham's home and barred from returning for five days by police. Watani also began to suspect Graham was cheating on him. He knew she used the dating app Tinder. Whenever he confronted her about it, she denied any infidelity, and the pair would argue. Despite the turmoil, they continued to see each other on and off. Watani rented a red brick bungalow about 20 kilometres out of Watoto on Waikoro Wairio Road, but often stayed at Graham's home. On April 15, 2020, Watani celebrated his 40th birthday. The next day, he and Graham and her two children drove into Longwood Forest in his four-wheel drive SUV to collect pine cones, a breach of COVID-19 lockdown rules. The truck got stuck in a stream and they had to phone for help. The two men who towed them out were invited back to Graham's house for dinner and a couple of beers. Watani cooked. He and Graham were seen kissing and seemed happy. As the two men left, just after 6pm, Watani was talking about heading out to buy some more beers. It was the last time anyone from outside the house saw him alive. Five days later, on April 21, Detective Sergeant Chris Lucy got a call from one of Watoto's two police officers. Dale Watani was missing. Nothing was immediately suspicious. Watoto was a small service town, population nearly 3,000 but people disappeared from time to time. However, the case wasn't without intrigue, and Lucy, the head of criminal investigations in Western Southland, listened carefully as Senior Constable Dave Cowie briefed him. Watani's SUV and Isuzu Moo had been found in a gravel lay-by at Holt Park, about 500 metres from Graham's Sawn Street home on April 17. Cowie thought it was an odd spot, it wasn't on the route Watani would have taken home from Graham's house. Bank record shows Watani last used his F-Boss card on April 15, when he spent about $190 at the supermarket on groceries. His property on Waikoro Wairio Road looked like it hadn't been lived in for a while. 
the lawns were long, the fridge was empty, and a loaf of bread in the pantry was mouldy. Photos of Watney and Graham were in a pile next to the microwave. Graham had hosted people at her house for drinks over the weekend, but Watney wasn't one of them. She'd told Cowie she hadn't seen Watney since he left to get some beers on April 16, but had missed a series of calls from him later that night. She gave several dubious explanations for where Watney might be. He could be on a bender, hiding out with his meth dealer in Invercargill, or on the run with a one-eyed man called Rick from Riverton. Two days later, when there was still no sign of Watney, Detective Sergeant Lucy and a colleague, Detective Regan Fahey, travelled to Ototo to investigate. By then, talk was spreading through the town about the disappearance. Some people thought Watney might have gone bush to escape a drug debt. Others feared he'd been murdered. Suicide couldn't be ruled out either, as he'd struggled with depression since breaking up with the mother of his son in 2019. On April 24, Graham told Detective Fahey that Watney was in good spirits when she last saw him. As he was leaving her home, she'd rushed inside to get his birthday present, a series of photos of the pair and their children. She said she ignored his calls later because he likely would have been drunk and in a bad mood. Now she was worried something bad had happened. This is totally out of character for him, she told Fahey. I would describe him as being clingy and a person who messages non-stop. Graham told police she'd heard Watney owed money to gang members. She said she doubted he'd committed suicide. He would have left behind items that were important to him, such as his ponamu, for his son. She also believed he would have left a note. I just don't know where he is, she said. Lucy was perplexed by the Holt Park scene where Watney's Izuzu was discovered. There were no keys in the ignition, the fuel lines were disconnected, and diesel had pulled on the ground. And most unusually, the battery had been removed. Friends told police Watney only had one battery, which he switched between the Isuzu and another vehicle he owned, a black BMW. A battery was found under the bonnet of the BMW in the carport at his home. Lucy couldn't think how it could have got there. Ototo didn't have a taxi, there were few cars on the road because of strict COVID-19 rules, and it would have been a long walk to Watney's home for anyone lugging a battery, let alone for Watney, who had lost half a foot years earlier in a work accident. Police inquiries later revealed the Isuzu would continue running when the battery and keys were removed. Disconnecting the fuel lines was one of the ways to get the engine to shut off. There was no evidence to suggest Watney had committed suicide, and the idea that he'd gone bush and was in hiding didn't hold much weight with Lucy either. The groceries Watney bought were nowhere to be found, but they weren't the type someone would buy if they were planning to live off the grid for an extended period. The most likely scenario, Lucy thought, was that Watney had been killed. After Anzac weekend, he briefed his boss, Detective Senior Sergeant Stu Harvey, on the case. Watney was still officially a missing person, but on hearing the details, Harvey ordered it be run like a homicide investigation. Detectives made an urgent request for Watney's cell phone data, it showed that at about 9.30pm on April 16, his phone was used to make nine calls to Graham's phone in the space of five minutes. 
all in the vicinity of your Sawn Street property. In the 15 minutes prior to that, it had been used to make a series of social media searches and Facebook calls to two of Watani's friends, neither of whom answered. At 9.37pm, it was turned off. Police suspected a murder and a cover-up. The Holt Park scene appeared staged to make it look like Watani's Isuzu had broken down, and the repeated phone calls looked like a misbegotten alibi attempt. Investigators zeroed in on Graham, the last person who had seen him alive. About a week after Watani's disappearance, she'd contacted his mother, Christine, via Facebook, and asked if she'd heard from him. This is so messed up, she wrote. Do you have any idea where he could be? Nothing's adding up, and it's honestly not like Dale to do this. I will let you know if I hear anything, and if you need anything, just let me know. Be safe, and take care. Graham had also posted several news stories about Watani's disappearance to her Facebook page. We all hope he comes back safe and well, she wrote on May 1. One very missed human. But Graham was known to be deceptive. In 2008, when she was sentenced for driving drunk and dangerously and injuring a police officer, a court heard that Graham's mother, who declined to comment for this story, described her as the world's best liar who always had a plan. Police obtained warrants to search Graham's home, access her phone records, and bug her phone, house, and a motel they put her up in. They found that on April 16, she had twice called her friend, George Hyde, in the 15 minutes after she'd received the barrage of calls from Watani's phone. Hyde, a 23-year-old farming contractor and four-wheel driving enthusiast, lived about 20 kilometres away, near Tuatapiri. The next morning, when police arrived to talk to Graham and search her home, Hyde was there. He'd stayed the night. Given his newfound connection to the case, police questioned him too. Graham maintained that she hadn't seen Watani since he left her home on April 16. She couldn't explain why his cell phone was polling near her house when the calls were made to her phone later that night. He was never at my house, I can assure you of that. Why wouldn't he just come in? That's just fucking weird. I just wish I'd picked up my phone, she told police in a videotaped interview at an Invercargill police station. She said she phoned Hyde to ask him how to download movies. Asked what she thought had happened to Watney, Graham said, I think he's run away from his problems. Stu Harvey, a police officer of nearly three decades, watched the latter part of the videotaped interview live. I came away thinking we don't have the right person, he told Stuff. She was very pleasant, very relaxed, laughing and joking. There was never any indication she was making things up. Hyde wasn't so convincing. He initially said he was at his Tuatapiri home all night on April 16 but changed his story when confronted with cell phone data, showing he'd left there and driven towards a toto not long after Graham phoned him at 9.36pm. In that case, he told police, it might have been the night she'd invited him over for drinks. He said he returned home when Graham got drunk and fell asleep. I don't know where he's gone or what's happened to him, Hyde told police. I'd like to think he's just hiding. I hope he turns up soon. At this point, 
detectives had only circumstantial evidence to back up their suspicions. That began to change when they learned some of the results of the search warrant at Graham's home. While there was no visible blood in the house, testing with luminol, a chemical that reacts with minute amounts of blood, revealed a four-metre trail between the hallway and the lounge. Police ripped up sections of carpet to test if the blood was Watani's. They also found some of the groceries Watani had bought on April 15. The case against Graham was mounting, but police were missing a key piece of the puzzle. Watani's body. Graham knew it. They can try and make a scenario out of something, but they need hard fucking evidence, Graham told Hyde and another man in a conversation intercepted by police. And with no body, there's no fucking evidence. There was a lot of things like that where you'd think, what the f***? Coming soon from Stuff, a new 12-part documentary podcast. He was into sex every day. The Commune. Sex, drugs, and a guru called Bert. There are crimes, but this isn't a who done it, it's a why done it. Good God, adults agreed to this? The Commune. Coming soon to your favourite podcast platform and to stuff.co.nz. You've already been welcome to Centre Point. Police hoped to find Dale Watney's body during a search of Longwood Forest on May 16 and 17, 2020. A fortnight earlier, two investigators, Detective Dougal Henderson and Detective Sergeant Dave Canelli, had walked an overgrown track deep in the forest, looking for the spot where Graham and Watney got stuck in Zizuzu on the day Watney disappeared. It was about 12 kilometres from Graham's home. The officers had noted an area at the end of the track where it looked like a load of rubbish had been dumped. There were bricks and mortar, a car tyre, a drum and roofing iron. If Watney didn't turn up elsewhere, they thought the area warranted a closer look. On May 16, volunteers searching the site flagged that the ground was soft and appeared to have been disturbed, but a police dog trained to sniff out human remains didn't find anything. At a briefing a couple of days later, Henderson mentioned the site as one of several places of interest. When he talked about the bricks, another officer recalled a pile of bricks from a demolished chimney had been found during a search of Hyde's home, which he was renovating. A third detective, who had been analysing phone data, mentioned a text Graham had sent to Hyde on April 27. Bring load of bricks? That instantly set alarm bells going, Harvey says. Henderson and two colleagues went straight back to the forest with spades and trowels. After carefully removing the debris, they started digging. The bricks were a decent link to hide, and right from his first visit, Henderson thought the site seemed as good as any to bury a body. After a few minutes, one of his colleagues' spades unearthed the foot. It was nothing short of a miracle, Harvey says. An autopsy revealed that Watani had been shot through the mouth with a single 
low-velocity .22 caliber round. The bullet was lodged in his spine. During their investigation, police had learned Graham, who did not have a gun license, had borrowed a 10-shot semi-automatic .22 rifle from a friend for hunting. She returned it after Watani disappeared. Forensic testing of the rifle revealed Watani's blood was on the stock and sight. His DNA was also found inside the barrel. Harvey was confident it was the weapon that had killed him. On Wednesday, May 27, police again searched Graham's and Hyde's homes. They were suddenly very interested in Hyde's renovations, particularly the stack of chimney bricks. In the months that followed, investigators matched wallpaper and roofing iron found at the Longwood Forest gravesite to items at Hyde's home. Whiteney's DNA was later found on a blood-stained piece of underlay removed from the hallway of Graham's home. On August 4, Graham and Hyde were arrested. During a lengthy interview, police put all the incriminating evidence to Graham, but she denied any involvement and always seemed to have an answer to their questions. How, for instance, did she know Whiteney had been shot in the throat, as per a phone call that intercepted, when that information hadn't been released publicly? Someone she knew was friends with detectives working on the inquiry, Graham said, and she'd heard it from them. I swear on my kid's life, I did not have that gun. I didn't shoot Dale. Hyde initially declined to comment, but about a month later, his lawyer arranged a meeting with detectives at an Invercargill police station. Hyde had something to confess. It's been 153 days now since Dale's death, a detective said to him. I'd really like to know what happened to him. Hyde said that on the night of April 16, Graham, whom he considered his best friend, had called him in tears. She wanted him to drive to her home urgently and said something like, come here with a strong stomach. When Hyde arrived, Graham met him on the front lawn. He said she told him she and Watani had fought. Watani had hit her and then the pair had wrestled with a gun. I can't remember the actual details of what she told me, Hyde said. All I know is that she told me he shot himself. Inside Graham's home, Watani was lying on his back in the hallway, not far from a toy box. He was bleeding from his head. Hyde said he helped Graham, who was recovering from a broken collarbone, drag Watani's body to the lounge. They rolled it up in a tarpaulin, then carried it out to the garage, where Watani's black BMW was parked and put it in the back seat. Then, Graham burnt Watani's boots, hat, phone and wallet in her fire. The next day, Hyde disposed of the body in Longwood Forest. That night, while Graham's children were asleep in bed, he helped to return the black BMW to Watani's home. Ten days later, at Graham's request, he said he took a load of bricks and other rubbish from his home and dumped it on the gravesite to conceal it. Asked why he helped Graham cover up what had happened, Hyde said, I didn't want her to get into trouble for having a firearm. I didn't want her kids to get taken off her. I believed everything she said. I didn't question it. I never thought she'd lie to me about something as serious as that. I thought he killed himself because I was told that, and that's what it looked like. Hyde said he was ashamed at what he'd done. When the case came to trial in Invercargill in June 2022, it had one more twist. Sandy Graham took the stand and admitted she was involved in Dale Watney's death 
His family deserve to know the truth, she said, and I've got to be accountable for my lies, otherwise I can't change. Graham said that that fateful night, as the two visitors left, Watani never went to get beers. Instead, the children went to bed in her room, and she and Watani fell asleep watching TV. When they woke, about 8pm, Watani saw Graham had received a dick pic from a man who earlier that day she'd admitted sleeping with when Watani was barred from her home. Watani wasn't happy. The pair argued. Watani called her a slut. He punched Graham in the chest, winding her, then kicked her. Graham's daughter emerged from the bedroom and tried to ring 111. Watani snatched the phone from her and ended the call before it was answered. Graham's phone records confirm this call. Then, Graham grabbed Watani's cell phone, hid it in her underwear drawer, and, after consoling her children, went to get her phone from him. The pair yelled abuse and pushed and shoved each other. At 8.48pm, Graham went outside and hid. She sent a text message to a local police officer. Are you on duty? She said Watani found her, saw the text, and accused her of sleeping with the officer. Graham then drove away in Watani's Isuzu Moo in the hope he'd follow her. She parked the vehicle at Holt Park, where it was later found. As she ran back to her house, she could hear her kids screaming and Watani swearing. Graham ran into her bedroom and grabbed the .22 rifle from behind a mirror. She pointed the gun at Watani's stomach. Watani grabbed it and put the barrel in his mouth. In the hallway, the pair wrestled with the gun. When Graham reached to close the bedroom door so her children wouldn't see them arguing, the gun went off. Graham froze. She didn't know if she'd pull the trigger. She put the gun away, checked Watani's pulse, then used his phone to try and find hers. This explains the nine calls. She found it on the roof, but she couldn't explain the social media activity in the 15 minutes prior. In tears, Graham called Hyde. I didn't really know what to do, she said. I just wanted somebody there who would support me and my kids, because if I was going to ring the police, I was going to be taken away. While she waited for him to arrive, she lay next to Watani. She didn't want to believe what had happened. At some point, her son needed to go to the toilet, so she had to lift him over the body. I think I told the kids that I'd punched him, and that he was playing dead. At 9.46pm, she said she saw the police officer had replied to her text from an hour ago, apologising because he was busy. Don't worry, Graham replied. We are all in bed, all tucked up. Was someone pissed looking for my neighbour? They're gone now. Sorry to waste your time. When Hyde arrived, she told him there had been a fight and Watney had shot himself. She didn't call the police, she said, because she was scared they wouldn't believe her and she'd lose her kids. Instead, the following day, they drove into Longwood Forest and dug a grave. Graham said she didn't tell Hyde to conceal the grave. She said her text to him on April 27 that mentioned bricks was about improvements at her home. She said she did not remove the battery from Watani's Isuzu when she left it at Holt Park. By then Watani had two batteries, so she didn't need it for the BMW when she drove it to Watani's home. Graham previously told police Watani had only one battery that he switched between the two. 
I wish I'd rung the police, Graham said through tears. The hate Dale's family must feel towards me must be beyond words. Under cross-examination, Graham admitted telling a litany of lies, but insisted what happened was a tragic accident, not murder. The prosecution honed in on the likelihood of Watney being shot by accident. Forensic firearms expert, Angus Newton, said a lack of gunshot residue on Watney's face meant he was shot from at least 80 centimetres away and probably more than a metre. Watney's armpit-to-fingertip measure was only 69 centimetres. Graham said she was sure the last time she saw Watney's hands, they were both on the barrel. Then there was the rifle itself. Graham testified there was no magazine in the gun. It was in the garage, so she thought it wasn't loaded. The last time it was fired, she said, was during a possum hunting trip about a month earlier. Another witness, Brenda McRae, who was on that trip, said he made sure the gun wasn't loaded before he handed it back to Graham. Graham said she did not load the gun or touch it after the trip. Geoffrey Miller, who owned the gun, said that when it was returned to him after Whiteney's disappearance, he pointed it at the ground and pulled the trigger to make sure it wasn't loaded. He was surprised when it went off. This suggested a magazine was fitted, as the weapon would automatically reload when fired. Graham insisted there was no magazine in the gun when she had the altercation with Watney. She believed Miller was lying. In her closing address, Crown Prosecutor Mary Jane Thomas said Graham was cunning, clever and manipulative. To call Sandy Graham a liar does her a disservice. She's not simply a liar, she's a storyteller. She weaves together fact and fiction to create stories with a hint of truth, peppered with untruths that support her narrative. Before her arrest, Graham had made up stories about what had happened to Watney and cast suspicion on others. Then, Thomas said, when she gave evidence during the trial, she continued to lie. Why, for example, did Graham not yell and scream and tell one of her neighbours to call 111 as she ran back from Holt Park? Moving the car was all part of the cover-up, Thomas said. But that alone, she continued, did not make Graham a murderer. She urged the jury to focus on the facts, particularly around the rifle. You can be sure that on the night, someone put at least two bullets in the magazine, attached the magazine, pulled the lever to load the bullet into the chamber, and shot the rifle. Based on the forensic firearms expert's evidence, Watney and Graham couldn't have been locked in a struggle over the gun when it was fired, Thomas said. Graham's defence counsel Phil Shammy disputed this. Determining the distance Watney was shot from wasn't an exact science, he said, and Watney's fingertip-to-mouth measure was about 87 centimetres, which meant he could have reached the barrel. Evidence around the handling of the rifle before and after the shooting was also dubious, Shammy said. When Brendan McRae, the possum hunting partner, checked it to make sure it wasn't loaded, it was dark and he'd been drinking. He also didn't have a gun licence. Miller had also been drinking when he later fired the shot into the ground, and the only bullet casing police could find in the area hadn't come from the gun. The Crown had also not advanced a motive for why Graham might have killed Watney deliberately, and, in his submission, there was no evidence she had. Together, Shammy said, 
It amounted to too much doubt. You must be sure before you convict Miss Graham of murder. It's not enough if you think she is likely guilty or probably guilty. You must be sure because that is what beyond reasonable doubt means. Nothing short of that is sufficient. If you are not sure, you must acquit. On July 7, 2022, Sandy Graham was found guilty of murder. George Hyde was found guilty of being an accessory after the fact to manslaughter. The verdict in Hyde's case meant the jury was unable to establish beyond reasonable doubt that he knew Graham had murdered Watney when he helped conceal his body. Today, the remote spot in Longwood Forest where Dale Watney was buried is marked by a white cross. It's surrounded by new ferns, empty beer bottles and cans of pre-mixed alcohol. Harvey, now a detective inspector, is still surprised that police ever found the makeshift grave. If they hadn't, he believes investigators wouldn't have had the evidence to charge Graham and would still be investigating his disappearance. When we set this operation up, he says, it wasn't to get a murder conviction. It was to find Dale Watney. We're just incredibly happy we were able to give some sort of closure for his family. That was The World's Best Liar on the long read from Stuff, written and read by Blair Ensor and produced by me, Michael Wright. This episode was edited by Jack Price. Stuff's podcast director is Adam Dudding. If you listened via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening. 